0: Right, greetings once again from Fremont E-Free Church. It is a holiday week here at the church. This Saturday is Christmas, so this is a special holiday edition of our podcast. Jim will be singing Christmas songs to you later <laughs> at the end of the podcast, or maybe not, we'll see. Uh, but it is it is a holiday week, and so we are thinking about the story of Christ being born. I, I do think, as I talked about yesterday, there there is a real danger that we can And I think this danger exists every year with all aspects of Christianity, not just the Christmas story, but that we can start to take for granted what once would have struck us as an amazing thing. And so I think it's worthwhile this morning for us to slow down, Jim, and to think about what's happening in the Christmas story and why it matters. And even though I know that this this section of Scripture is particularly well combed over, um, there's, probably, there's probably been very few churches over the years that have not talked about Luke 2, 8-14 to 14, at some point in reference to the Christmas story. I, I still think it's worth us discussing this morning and perhaps drawing out some nuggets that um, God has placed on our hearts or some, some things that He's been doing in us. So, all that to say, um, love to hear what your thoughts are as you think back on Luke 2, 8-14, to 14, The Shepherd and the Angels in the Field uh what is it that sticks out to you most jim what 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 has god been doing in your heart what have you been convicted of or challenged by or encouraged by as you think about this particular passage
1: yeah there's so much good stuff in here right um i like the way that you just spent time i mean there's several things i'll start with this one maybe we can go from there i mean just thinking about the titles that were given to jesus in that short of time span right savior christ lord i mean that is saying a lot about jesus uh, in that one phrase and I think it was good to highlight that just to bring out this 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 big all inclusiveness of who Jesus is right that he's all three of these things right and not just one or maybe two but that it's it's all three are found in Jesus and I think that that just, like just highlights the supremacy of Christ and just thinking about, Oh man, this is saying a lot about who Jesus is, and not really to limit or pigeonhole in who Jesus is, right but in yet in this very simple sentence is saying a lot about Jesus in it,
0: yeah yeah i think I think the titles are significant for sure. I think a lot of them have really strong Old Testament background to them, and now being applied to Christ, uh, and oftentimes, you know, with, in particular with the Savior and Lord, that's that's applied most frequently to God God the Father, I think we would say, in the Old Testament, now being applied to Christ, which is speaking to His deity. Right. Um, so I think there's some significance there. You know, I, I think... First of all, I I just think we think about scenes like this in the wrong way with the angel and you know if you've seen pictures of this or paintings of it like probably the angel looks like kind of gentle and and sweet and maybe there's i think there's a famous painting where there's some like baby angels tagging behind and and you read this and you think well that's probably not what it was actually like um the fact that their first response is to be filled with fear tells you i I don't know i just think we we kind of We make uh the christmas story too sappy sometimes like it's just this big sentimental thing where the reality is like fear actually plays a fairly significant role in this passage too um on on two levels one when they see the angel they're afraid um because anytime you encounter god in all of his glory the response is not like well this is awesome the response is i'm probably gonna die um, and so the angel as the representative of God's glory is terrifying. Um, mm-hmm. I think we undersell that element of the story. Um, but then his first response is, "Fear not for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. so there's this this element of fear that I didn't get a chance to talk about a whole lot yesterday, but I, I think that's important like to say like okay God God is. Different than us, and this story is not so like sentimental and sappy as we make it. There is some element of it that's like, whoa, okay, something different's going on here. Right. Um, but then, for the angels' first response to be "Fear not," I think that's that's helpful. Like, um, I, I think he's he's saying "Fear not" in reference to, of course, his own appearance, the angel's appearance. Um, but I, I think there's relevance for us too. Like, that we don't have given the good news that we don't have to be as afraid either. So. Yeah, I, I, you mentioned some other things that you're chewing on. What else have you been chewing on?
1: Well, I just love the the idea of the you know the phrase "good news of a great joy." You know, I love those defining words. Right? It's not just "hey, I have news of a joy that will be for all the people." You know, it's good news. I mean, this is the type of news it is. It's not bad news, or it's not just ordinary news. It's good. It's news that is good, yeah. and that it is of a it is a great. Joy, you know that it's not just, you know, it's not sort of joyful. It's like, hey, you know, this is okay. You know, this is something of significance in in joy, uh, and and just to think about like, yes, this news of Jesus coming, and I like the way that you said, and why is it good news of great joy? Because of the mission that Jesus came to do, and connecting his birth to his death and his resurrection is is the reason for the good news of the great joy and ultimately is the reason that we will not fear not anymore, right? Yeah. Because of the work that Christ is going to do on our behalf. Right. Um, there's a reason that we are afraid right now because of our fallen sinfulness yeah. in front of the glory of God is something that should be very fearful. But there's a work that Christ is coming to do that is of a good news, of a great joy that is to remove that fear because it removes that sin that separates us from God. And, you know, and, and just to really like, I really like the way that you brought out the fact that, you know, sometimes news can become pretty redundant and uh, lose its impact on us. And to really focus on the fact that no, this is a good news of a great joy and to really like cultivate that in our hearts uh, to say, man, I want this to be something that I really celebrate this Christmas is yes. a good thought. So
0: two two follow up questions to that. Um first of all, I know it's it's low hanging fruit for a preacher to talk about, oh, we lose sight of the meaning of the season, me, the reason for the season, right? Like that we talk, about, oh, we make Christmas about things other than it's supposed to be. Like that that's low hanging preaching fruit. Like that's right. the easiest thing to talk about. Oh, yeah, we've lost sight of the reason for the season. And we don't focus on Jesus birth like um but I think it is low hanging fruit for a reason because it's probably true. Um so I guess my my first question is like why, why is it that it's so easy for us? Like, wh- this is the greatest news ever, right? Like, and, and I, I think what you said is important that we do have to connect it to the death of Christ on the cross and his resurrection, also. We can't just leave it as, like, he's a baby in a manger into right. the story. Like, that's right. not the end of the story. But, like, wh- why is it that we, we grow so cold to this? Like, that's, that's one question I would have. And then my follow up question is going to be, like, how do we go about cultivating, like, a, a passion for the story again. Like how do we how do we remember how do we how do we get to a place where we have that great joy again? Like how do we recultivate that, I guess? But let me start by just asking the first question, which is why is it that we're so prone to grow cold to this? Like why do we why do we stop seeing it as good news and just see it as like, oh yeah, okay, we've heard this before. Like why is that, Jim? Like what's what's your thoughts on that?
1: Okay, so I have this theory. I'd love to get your thoughts on this. I think one of the effects of the fall is familiar, familiar uh, things becoming familiar to us. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I think of it like this, like I think of like, okay, so I love music. Uh, when I get like a new album of say my favorite artist or favorite band and I listen to it, I think, oh, this is so awesome. And I'll listen to it like nonstop for like sure. a couple of weeks and then it, it gets old. And it falls by the wayside and something that that was so intense and good. And that I listened to every day for weeks on end ends up getting shelved for months. And I've always wondered, why is that? Why did it lose it's like, why did it lose its impact on me? Like what happened there? And I've always wondered, is that effect of the fall hmm. that we lose our awe and wonder so quickly? Um, and I, and so I take that to say that I think that can happen to us, to us spiritually too, right. Where we can have seasons where, where like, you know, I'm really like, I feel like I'm really close to the Lord or really on fire for him. Or you use those type we use those types of phrases where we feel like Mm -hmm. we're really doing well spiritually, but it never lasts, you know, it never like it can go for a while, but it always wanes. And I've always wondered, is that, is that kind of like, as the fire goes out, Um, is that just a kind of effect of the fall that we, um, we just grow familiar and it becomes old and we're ready to move on to the next new thing because we're always looking for something else. And, and I wonder like, so I think that's the problem.
0: Hmm.
1: I don't know the solution yet because I haven't solved it for my own Hmm. heart. Um, But I do think there is like, you know, I just think of my own last week, uh, you know, we had in our family, we had two birthdays, we had two nights that we were at a kid's choir um, concerts for school. We had a couple of swim meets to go to, like my week was just absolutely packed full. Right. And, and Christmas just gets a little bit squeezed out. Right. Um, and so I do think there is an intentionality that says, okay, how do we make sure we're spending time? You know, getting back into it, like for Mandy and I, getting back into our Advent devotional uh, for the kids, for the Advent book that we're reading together, you know, how how do we, like, how do we, how do we stoke the fire Mm -hmm. again to keep it from completely going out? Because I do think that if we don't do anything to the fire, it will very naturally go out. And I think that there are things that just as you would either add more wood, or, you know, you're going to, you know, you know, poke the fire to get the embers going again to get it burning hot again i feel like there are things that we probably need to do to not lose the not lose sight of the wonder because we naturally will so i think we have to be intentional to do things to fire the you know to fan the flame
0: yeah yeah so you, that's an interesting theory about the fall causing us to maybe start to take things for granted I, th- I think in in relation to spiritual things that's probably true for sure like i like so it's interesting because i I think like the example you gave of the cd um i think there there might be something else going on there though too right like that that we're not meant to be satisfied by cds and so ultimately it leaves us wanting right like just sure. like um yeah you become obsessed with whatever for a season and then it kind of wears off like even human relationships can be that way right like where You know you're so in love at first and then you get married and over time like if you're not careful you can lose you know you can lose that initial fervor you had too right Right. and so i do think that's a trend for sure and maybe it's connected to the fall maybe some of it's speaking to where we're supposed to find satisfaction in but that that wouldn't relate to the christmas story you wouldn't think because that should be the thing we should be finding satisfaction in right like christ's birth and his death and his resurrection right go ahead but but
1: i even think about like so i think about that like even in terms of like worship music for example like you know, I'm trying to think, I'm going to try to date myself here a little bit. What, Probably 25-ish years ago, yeah. like Shout to the Lord was the song that we sang every Sunday sure. in church, you know? And, and and we don't sing that ever anymore. Yeah. Like, what happened there? Well, we kind of got old and we moved on to new worship songs. And I do kind of like, so even I think yeah, in, okay. in the realm of worship, like why is it that we get tired of this and we're getting ready to move on to this? Because I do think that one of the things that will happen in eternity is it will never get familiar Hmm. that if we're going to be with jesus in all of eternity it will nothing in heaven will ever get familiar ever right like it will only you know john edwards talks about further in and ever increasing is what we're going to experience in heaven because if it isn't ever increasing then it will become familiar and it will become boring and so i do think that well wow okay so what's different there in eternity, like we won't get tired of worshiping. Like the angels get don't get tired of singing, mm-hmm. holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty who was and is and is to come. They don't get tired of singing that, yeah. it seems to me. Why is that? Because we get tired here. And that's where I think there has to be something going on that's different here on earth. That is, And and uh, we're going to see the ultimate reality of Christ, and that won't be boring, and that will be great. But I do wonder if like there's got to be... And I think that's why people get maybe, um, like not excited about heaven because they think that everything gets old after a while hmm. and that we can't see heaven any differently because it's never going to get old. And I think that's why people don't get excited about eternity because we look at it through a fallen lens. Yeah. I know I just unpacked a lot there. No,
0: yeah. Well, yeah, we're, we're covering quite a few of the bases now that we're getting into heaven. Yeah. I think there, I think there's, I think you're maybe onto something that makes sense. Like the more you're talking about it, we do kind of in general, we just grow restless with a lot of things, and we're never really completely satisfied. Um, I, you know, I think there's other reasons why we're not excited about heaven. One of them is that I just think we have the wrong picture of what it's going to be like, right. uh, let alone from the fact that we're viewing it through a fallen lens. I think we just think it's going to be a really eternally long church service, which is not what I think it's going to be like at all. But I think to your point, like even, even in heaven, like the idea of like worshiping around the throne or whatever will not grow boring to us, like... Um, And and so maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe some of, some of what we have to deal with is just the restlessness that comes with being in our fallen state that we just aren't quite satisfied here. We haven't quite reached, like there's still longing for something more that we can't quite ever reach here. Right. But I do think, I I think there's, you know, you mentioned the Edwards quote about, what was it again, further in and, or how did Uh, that go?
1: Further, I think it's, it's further in ever increasing.
0: Okay. Okay. I, the the thing I would say, though, and this is where we have to fight against our sinful and fleshly tendencies a little bit, is like, for example, the the Christmas story here is still further in and ever increasing. Mm. Meaning, like, there will never be a point where we, like, mastered everything there is to know about Christmas or right. Easter or the resurrection. Like, not, you know, I, I think some one of the challenges sometimes of, of preaching through Advent every year, is you think, oh, what am I going to preach on? I've preached on this before. But I, I am struck by every year, like there's always something new. Right. Um, like I've actually, like if, if I went back and looked, I've preached portions of this section three times before since I've been here at Freemonti Free. Oh, wow. But every time I've done something different because there's something different to do every time now right. there's elements of it that carry over i'm not saying that there's not parts of it that haven't carried over but like i f- first of all i purposely don't go back and look at what i preached before because i want to look at it with fresh eyes but when i go back at the end and compare like it's different because there's just there's a treasure here that's worth plumbing that like is ever increasing if, if that if you follow what i'm saying, so one thing i would say one of the antidotes to this i think is we've got to have space to think through that like i think one of the reasons why i'm struck by every christmas oh there's more to it is because i have to take the time to do it like as part of what i'm doing for preaching i have to slow down and think about the passage again and i think that we're really bad at creating space to just think on things and meditate on them um I think, I think in particular a danger that, like, first of all, I think that's probably been true throughout generations. So I'm not going to make it sound like, oh, this is unique to 2021. However, I do think the tendency to be distracted in 2021 is greater than a lot of past generations, namely because we have smartphones and because we have all this technology at our fingertips that instead of thinking, hey, I'm, I'm just going to spend some time meditating on this story, thinking about it. What do we do? Like when we get bored, we just get on our phones and mm. I, I'm not like... I'm not pointing fingers and saying, Oh, this is people in our church. That's me. Like that. My tendency is not to think I should spend more time thinking about this story. My tendency is to think I'm getting bored. Like I was just sharing with you this morning that I was in the hospital last week and, um, you know, Dawson wasn't real talkative and Tanya was, you know, off doing some things that she needed to do. And like, after a while, I'm just bored. Like, and so what am I doing? I'm just scrolling through my phone. Like, and you know, like, I'm not sitting here and like, there's obviously ditch on every side and I'm not saying don't ever scroll on your phone. Like, that's fine. Like, but I will get at creating space to meditate on great truths and to allow ourselves to think about the complexities of what's going on. Like, you know, we're not going to go here on the podcast because I don't think we're prepared for, but you and I were just talking even this morning before this about Isaiah nine in that passage about wonderful counselor, mighty God, (coughs) Prince of peace, uh, everlasting father, and just talking about it's actually a pretty complex passage like and and again i don't think we're prepared to talk about that passage but my point is like if you think about stuff like that like there, there is something that's just good about chewing that I think we've kind of lost right. the art a little bit. And again, I suspect this has been a problem in every generation that, you know, it wasn't their smartphones. It was going out in the field and chopping some more grain or whatever. I don't know. Like the, the point is, there's always been things to get distracted. But I think we are easily distracted and we don't right. allow ourselves to really chew on like these great and complex truths that are, are super deep, actually but we let them become kind of like flat and not meaningful because we just don't allow ourselves to go there um, and to think about, let's think about how amazing this is or let's think about this truth, right? Instead, we just think, I've heard this before, and then we go back to our phones or or whatever other distraction that we have. So I, I think we've got to carve out space at some point. I think that's what you're getting at with like, having Advent stuff with your kids or with your family, like there's gotta be some space to just meditate on this and allow it to affect us afresh for new. Like I think that was that one of the great benefits of what you and I do, like for our jobs is that we have time to meditate at length on passages. And I I was struck this week that even though I've read this passage a thousand times, like there is something fresh to see every time. So I think we've just got to give ourselves space to slow down and, and meditate on things.
1: Right. Yeah. I was even, you know, I'm, uh, preaching this Sunday on Simeon and his song. So I've, you know, I've been working on this sermon for a couple of weeks now, and the Holy Spirit is very evident in Simeon's, Simeon's story. Mm. And so I, I've been chewing on that. And even this morning, as I was getting ready, I was thinking about, you know, you know, hey, in this moment, I need to be dependent on the Holy Spirit. What areas of my life am I wanting to be dependent on the Holy Spirit right now? And the only reason I'm meditating on that is cause I'm, you know, I'm getting ready to preach that and I've been chewing on that, but it, but it's there, like it's there. And, and so I'm, you know, I'm thinking this through and realizing that, Hey, I need to chew on this. And, and so I'm giving myself space to do that. And so I do like that idea that says, what do we do to give ourselves space to think about, uh, the birth of Christ, uh, all that he means. I mean because you're the the thing that i brought up first savior christ lord i don't think i've really taken the time to think that those three titles are in one line right there all talking about jesus and unpacking what all those mean i mean i think i've seen that so many times but to go oh wow those are all right there and those are significant you know to take those things and and to chew on them whether you're you know getting ready in the morning you know doing whatever daily routine chores that you need to do or you know, when you're driving to work or to school or, uh, you know, whenever you have some downtime, you know, are you, are you reflecting on these things? Are you like going, huh, you know, this is something I want to carry with me throughout the day and be thinking about. I think it's really good.
0: Yeah. And aside from the the Christmas story, I think just slowing down and, and chewing on stuff more is just helpful, right? Like you pointed out that it's easy to read verse 11. Frontier born this day in the city of David, a Savior who's Christ the Lord. And they, oh, okay, great. Like, and not really think about, oh, what does it mean that he's Savior? Mm-hmm. What does it mean that he's the Christ? What does it mean that he's Lord? But that's that's not just true of the Christmas story, right? That's true of all of Scripture. That it's easy for us to read stuff and not really think about, well, what does that mean? Um, so, I, yeah, I think slowing down and 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 just giving ourselves space and and maybe not always having our phones around us or other distractions, like to be able to clear some time to just let ourselves chew on some some deep and, and meaningful things that we see in Scripture. Um, I think that's that, that's an important mm-hmm. practice for us to have as Christians, and one that we probably... Um, I, I would say our generation probably... like Again, I, I don't think this is new to our generation, but I would say our generation probably has more distractions than most, and so I think it's just something we need to be aware of. Right, right. So let's let's talk for a second about the shepherds in this passage. Of all the people that God could have revealed Himself to, why the shepherds? And what significance do you think that has for us? I, I you know I touched on it a little bit yesterday, but I, I think that's it's really interesting, right? That the people He reveals Himself to are shepherds. Um, right. Why why shepherds and why not someone else?
1: Yeah, I thought that was interesting that you brought up the fact that at this time, shepherds maybe weren't as marginalized as we always hear people talk about. Because I know that's kind of been a more modern take on this is that, you know, shepherds were, you know, the outcasts of society and nobody really cared about them. And, you know, that they were, and and you brought up that maybe like it was later on where shepherds got the bad reputation of where their their testimony wouldn't hold up in court, that that wasn't necessarily true at this particular point in time.
0: Yeah, that, I mean, as I did reading this week, like a lot of the commentators that I, I find to be most helpful just point out that, that shepherds, first of all, shep, shepherds up to this point in the Old Testament have a fairly good reputation, like shepherd is used positively in the Old right. Testament, right? right? So The Lord is my
1: shepherd. Sure. Like, if you're thinking about that, you got to think that... Well,
0: there's some stuff in Ezekiel, too, with the shepherd, and there, there's quite a bit of shepherd imagery in the Old Testament, and, right? and almost all of it's positive. Right, So, right. and that's
1: a good point, to think about that. Yeah,
0: so to to say, well, shepherds were just despised, and I, the for a person in the first... Like, the historical evidence would seem to suggest that later on, shepherds did become more despised, and their testimony wasn't allowed in court, and those types of things, but... That doesn't really seem to be the case here, um, from what I could tell historically. It does seem that they were marginalized, though, like not in the sense that they were like hated, but in the sense that they just weren't cared about. Like they were just forgotten. Like they were just lowly and and humble people who were working a hard and dirty job. So, I, I do think almost everyone I read would agree. Okay, maybe they weren't despised, but they were forgotten. They were just kind of pushed to the side. They were they were a group of people that weren't really well known or. I Maybe mean, that's the wrong way of saying it. They weren't really relevant. They weren't looked to as to leaders. But I, yeah, I, I do think it's, it, it's worth noting that the Old Testament doesn't view shepherds negatively. So mm-hmm. for the first person who hears this, like who's mm-hmm. familiar with the Old Testament, they wouldn't, mm-hmm. they wouldn't automatically think, oh, despise people. But they were forgotten. I think that's, that's for sure true. Mm-hmm. Um, so all that to say, w- what are your thoughts on why, why God chooses to reveal Himself to shepherds first?
1: Well, there is a theme, right? I mean, Jesus in John ten multiple times calls himself that I'm the good shepherd, sure, right? And and so is there is there imagery going on here that uh, he is re- revealed to shepherds um, that Jesus is the ultimate good shepherd who is shepherding his sheep and caring for them. Is there just an imagery thing going on here, possibly? Sure. Yeah, I, that's possible. Uh, I, I do think that
0: some of it is he's revealing himself to the lowly, which is a theme that we see in Scripture. Right. First Corinthians one talks about that. Now, to be fair, like what I'm preaching on on Christmas Eve is the wise men coming, and it would it would appear I haven't I haven't dove into the passage a ton yet because I'm just getting started on preparation. But given the fact that they're giving gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and they're going through their treasures to look for gold, frankincense, and myrrh, I'm going to assume that they had more money. Than but they some. were wealthy. And so, you know, I, I think there's obvious, like, there's a danger every time, right? Like, we could say, oh, look, like, God reveals himself to the lowly. But that doesn't mean at times he doesn't right. reveal himself to those who are powerful either. Right. Like, he does. Um, but, I, like, in general, he does reveal himself to lowly people mm-hmm. and uses lowly mm-hmm. people a lot. Like, that First Corinthians 1. talks about, think about your status. Not many of you are wise. Not many of you are influential. That type of thing in First right. Corinthians 1. So I do think there's a sense here where he reveals himself to shepherds. Well, the story is pretty humble, like, right? I mean, Jesus is born in a feeding trough for animals, for crying out loud. Right. He's born in this middle of nowhere place, Bethlehem. Like the whole story is not, is not what you would expect. Like even Jesus, think about when he comes riding into Jerusalem, he comes riding in on a donkey. Um, right. Like that's not what you'd expect. Like Jesus kind of flips conventional wisdom about what a king looks like on its head, and so I think this is part of the upside-down nature of the kingdom. Right? He right. doesn't reveal himself to the most powerful and connected. He doesn't reveal himself. That shepherds don't come, or the angel doesn't come to a king. And re- or yeah. to kings. doesn't come to Herod. Or, or for that matter, he doesn't come to the priest, the high right. priest. Right. He comes to shepherds, right? right? Jesus isn't born in a palace. He's born in a feeding trough for animals. Jesus right. isn't born in Rome or wherever the most important city is. He's born in Bethlehem. Like the whole thing is just speaking to the upside down nature of the kingdom. That what you think a king looks like is not what Jesus is like, right? That right. he's humble and he's he's meek. And I, I don't mean those attributes to all communicate weakness. Obviously, Jesus was not weak at all, but he comes in these humble and meek circumstances because that's who he is, right? And then he goes on to wash his disciples' feet and to lay down his life. Like that that's Philippians 2, right? That he considered the interests of others more important than his own. So I think it speaks to the overall motif of the Christmas story. Of, that might be a fancy word to use that hopefully I'm using correctly. Like it speaks to the theme, let's say it that way, the theme of the Christmas story that this is a lowly story but it's speaking to who Christ was and how he operated. Right. It, he, he's, he's coming to rescue lost people. He's not coming to rescue those who, to use Jesus' own language, he, the, the physician doesn't come to heal the, the healthy. He comes to heal the sick, right? Like, he's coming to people who need rescued. And I think the shepherds actually speak to that a little bit.
1: Right, and well, and that's what the angel announced, right? It's a good news of a great joy that will be for all the people. And that all the people includes lowly shepherds. All right. That all people includes even though the 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 wise men were wealthy, they were non-Jewish, Gentile people. Right. They were. I out, think so. Yeah. They were outsiders. They were rich, but they were still outsiders. And that that all peoples extends through all social, economical lines and all uh, racial lines too that it goes to all people everywhere it doesn't matter what class you're in or what race you are or anything like that it says this is for all the people and you know glory to god in the highest on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased that he is pleased that god is pleased to reveal this peace and give this peace to shepherds and 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 non-jewish wise men and that includes people like us too
0: yeah all right so Two, two, two last questions here. One um, is just related to this week. Okay. So mm. if, if you're like, let, let's set aside just like, sure, there's families, like, but let's think too of like people in our church who are, you know, their kids are out of the house and it's just them at home, they're empty nesters. So like what I mean is let's think across demographics. Okay. And, and someone were to say to you, how can I make the most of this week? Like Mm -hmm. what, what can I do to make the most of this week and to not grow familiar with the story? Like what would be your encouragement there?
1: Well, you know I'm just even looking forward to this week because you know, uh, swim meets are done and uh, concerts are over. And so this is a nice week that I look and go, oh, wow, we have, we have evenings, we have evenings free. And so looking forward to just spending time with family where we do, like, I'll be honest, we're a little bit behind in our Advent readings. It'll be good to have this week to get caught up. And so that means we're going to have more time to just daily really think about these things and, you know, and to spend more time, not like, I feel like there's, I mean, you talked about that, that meditating thing. A lot of times I feel like it's like, okay, we got to rush through and get this read. You know, now it's like, hey, we get to slow down, take some time, get to read, All right. get to ponder, you know, even talk about it, you know, ask questions about sure. it. You know, let's let's really think about what this is saying to us. Um, you know, I mean, I mean, I love music. There's going to be a lot of Christmas worship music uh, playing in our house that's really going to help us reflect on that and and so i mean those are those are just some of the simple practices that we do in our house that just really have jesus in the forefront of of our hearts and in our minds in this week.
0: Yeah, and i think you know this is often the case in life is not so much what you do just that you do it. Like meaning like you know how you, how you decide to devote time like what your advent reading looks like with your family or or how you you know how music whatever like it's not so much that there's a, a set way to do it. It's just spend time, right? Like I think carve time out, like that's the big thing. Like wherever your station of life, whether you have kids in the house or not, whether you're married or not, like just carve out time to allow yourself to, to actually think about the story and to, to remove some of the distractions. I think that's the big thing. Right. So last question I want to ask, you doesn't have anything to do with this passage. I just want to know since it is the Monday before Christmas, when you were growing up, were there any Christmas traditions that your family did that you love and that you've carried over to today? I'm, I, I, like, this is just for the listeners' enjoyment. Or maybe they could, <laughs> maybe they'll turn off at this point. Maybe they'll say, I'm That's just listening to this. But I'm, I'm just curious, Jim, like, is there any tradition that you look back on and say, yeah, I love that we did that
1: growing up? Or
0: maybe that you've instituted with your family that you like doing?
1: Right, right. So, like, we would, we would open some presents on Christmas Eve. And then we, then we would have other things waiting for us on Christmas morning. Uh, like I remember, like we had a similar thing in our family, right? So, so it was like a lot of wrapped presents, like maybe from grandparents or aunt and uncles or stuff like that, that we would open on Christmas Eve, but like, okay, so, so, okay. I'll, I'll tell a story of myself. My younger sister was the one that told me that Santa didn't exist.
0: Well, hopefully no kids are listening to this podcast right now. <laughs> the, Jim said that, not me. Just go so, on the record. So was we Jim. would
1: So we would go downstairs and it was like, you know, the presents were already like there. Didn't have to open them. Didn't have to unwrap them. Like cause Santa just brought them, <laughs> right. you know, and they were all just there. So it was like, we you know, blindfolding, want to go downstairs, not seeing, open your eyes, big reveal. And it was all there waiting for you. And you just dived right into it all and just had a blast.
0: Yeah, okay. But your sister ruined it for you.
1: But my sister ruined it for me. Oh, I've man. been scarred ever since.
0: Well, and now you ruined it for every kid that's listening to this podcast. Uh, well, I'm sure our
1: kid listening uh, is probably not our target audience. But oh, I don't know. know. I
0: bet I bet there's a lot of kindergartners who listen to our podcast every week, and they're going to be crushed this week. So how about uh, for you? Oh, I don't know. I, I think... I remember going to my grandparents' house, and we would oftentimes go... like. Uh, to Mabe's Pizza in Decor, Iowa, like on the way, like on Christmas Eve, we would often eat there. That, that's a memory I really remember um, <clears throat> fondly. Just thinking about going on the road trip, and I remember listening to Christmas music as we would go. And it'd be, it was always freezing cold northeast Iowa. I remember that. Um, yeah, we did some similar stuff where we'd open some presents on Christmas Eve, where you'd come home from. We we actually had like a midnight Christmas Eve service or eleven o'clock. Um, so we would do that, and then. I think we opened presents before that though, but we would always open some presents on Christmas Eve and then on Christmas Day that's when you'd open the big presents and you'd come out and the big presents would be there. So that was that was always exciting. I remember that. Yeah. Um yeah, with our family we've we've done some stuff for our kids would really like to, you know, grab hot cocoa and then drive around and look at Christmas lights one, one night during the Christmas season. That's funny. Right. Um right. so I think just things like that that create good family memories are good. Right. So Right. That's fun. All right. Well, uh, this is the last podcast of 2021. We're not going to podcast next week because it's the holiday season and, and we'll be in and out of the office next week. But um, hopefully, hopefully it's, you know, I, I was reflecting last night in our gospel community group. We were, we were just talking about how God had worked in 2021. Mm-hmm. And I was struck by how much can happen in a year. Um, e- even just thinking to individual in our group and thinking, oh, man. This year, they've gone through some stuff, or or this year, God's done some things. Like it's amazing how much God can do in a year. Um, right. And so, you know, some of it will be good, some of it will be bad. Like that's just the reality. Twenty twenty two will hold a lot of a lot of uh, there'll just be a lot of things, right? Like a lot of things will happen in twenty twenty two. But um, the the passage I was thinking about last night, I think it's in Isaiah forty three, where it just talks about how no matter what we go through. Maybe, maybe I'll just close by reading from Isaiah 43, because this is the passage I read last night. And just thinking about, you know, no matter what comes our way in 2022, the reality is that God is not going to leave us. And so Isaiah 43 says this, But now thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, He who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by my name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flames shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. And so I I think, as I think about even our own life and things that we've gone through, and I realize he's probably specifically talking to the people of Israel. However, I think he's talking more generically to the people of God, which would be us. Um, Hmm. It's just encouraging to know that no matter what fire we go through or what river comes our way, that God will not abandon us. And Hmm. so... You know, whatever wherever you are headed into 2022, maybe you're in a good spot, maybe you're in a tough spot. I just want to encourage you that God does not leave his people. And no matter what comes your way in 2022, whether it's great and awesome or hard and difficult, God won't leave you. So amen. keep looking to his word. Um, it's been our joy to be podcasting in 2021. I think, I don't. are we going on our third season now? I don't know what season we're going on, but we're, it's been great for us. We're grateful if you're listening along. If you're a kindergartner or listening to this, sorry uh, about today, but we, we, do love, we do love you. We're thankful for the opportunity uh, to get in the Word of God with you each week, and we'll catch you in 2022.